Hallelujah. The presence of God is here. And we expect his visitation as he has already begun. The Lord bless you. Even as you remain expectant in the name of Jesus Christ. My brother, Reverend Dr. Ebereze, he was born in Enugungo. That's where his birthplace is. He finished from Esut here and read the accountancy since 1991. And finishing as the president of the Christian Union Nifes then in his institution since that 1991. 26 years, 27 years now. He has been with the Ministry of Nigerian Fellowship of Evangelical Students, like we said, the largest evangelical student ministry in higher institutions worldwide. He has gone from traveling secretary to area director to marketing manager and retired just last month as a director of associates for the whole of NIFES, having over 30,000 students in their employ. My brother is not only a BSc accountancy degree holder, he has an MA in international development and has just also obtained his doctorate degree also from USA. And just last two months ago, he had also begun a ministry work as a reverend minister in the Anglican Diocese of Bukuru. And so, brethren, may we have in our midst ministering today, ministering tomorrow, ministering Sunday, a brother who has been in student ministry, discipleship ministry, and teaching ministry for 26, 27 years counting, Reverend Dr. Ebereze. The Lord bless you, sir. Bless you home. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Shall we pray? Father, I want to thank you for making today a reality. This church had planned this program. They had prayed. And here we are. The program has taken off. Lord, when they began to plan this program, they had a desire. There is something they want to see you do in the life of the individual members of this church and in the church in general. They have sent out invitations and people are already here seated. Many more we are on their way coming. Lord, I ask according to your word, that the desire of this church will come to pass in the course of this meeting in the name of Jesus. Lord, I've come to preach your word. You've given me a message and I know you will give me utterance. But only you can reach the hearts of those who hear me. Only you can use your word to change those who hear it. Do that which only you can do, O God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that your presence and your power will be present in our midst in the course of this evening. 
so that your word will be planted with power in the hearts of men and women and children. Lord, I ask that your power will be present in our midst to open our eyes and enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Lord, I pray that your presence and your power will be present amongst us to meet the yearnings and the cries of your people. Many came here to hear the word of God and learn more about God and know what God wants of them. Some have come here to encounter you for special needs in their lives. Some came because they were invited. Nothing, no special expectation. But whatever it is, oh God, I ask that no one here will go back empty-handed at the end of this meeting. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you honor your word. Holy Spirit, my prayer is that you glorify Jesus in this meeting. And we, your people, will be blessed. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that the seed of your word that will be sown in our hearts in the course of this meeting, that it will bear forth the fruit of salvation, the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of commitment to the kingdom values to which we belong. The fruit of, oh God, passion to do the will of God. And Lord, I pray that no one here will recover from the impact of this meeting as we wait for the coming of the Lord. Lord, if it pleases you then to, to stay for the next 20, 30, 50, 100 years, as long as we live on earth, may the impact of this weekend meeting have an eternal impact in our lives and in our society, in our places of work, in our families, in Enugu State, and in Nigeria in general. Lord, I ask that in your jealousy, you will deposit the seeds of your kingdom in us, that truly we be sons and daughters of the kingdom of God. Thank you because you have heard us. Thank you because we are able to do much more than that we have imagined or asked for. For in Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. And amen. Praise the Lord. The theme of this weekend program is Kingdom Lifestyle. And I want to say that this is a timely program. It's not only timely, it is the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to thank God that the chapel of resurrection is still one of those places of worship where we prioritize the things of the kingdom of God. I want to say to you that you are blessed. When I was asked to come, Uncle Sam just sent me a text message that am I free so, so time? That was last year, I think either November or December. Uh, that the church will invite me. I will hear from the rest of you. And luckily, this weekend was free for me. And I say to myself, what am I going to say to you people you have never heard before? You are so blessed to have a pastoral team led by Professor Ike that I'm sure you people, week in, week out, you've been blessed with sound teaching from the Word of God. But I say to God, since he pleased this chapel to invite me, 
Even if it's only reminders, there is a place for reminder in life. There is a place for us to be reminded of things we already know. And when we are reminded, it's like switching on light. We are provoked to do certain things. But one thing I've asked God and I'm convinced God we do is that this weekend we provoke something in all of us. Something that we will not recover from in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to say that for me, the church is a school. And I want to encourage you. Just the way you go to school to be trained to be a teacher, a nurse, a pharmacist, an accountant, a doctor, an engineer. We come to church to be trained how to become Christians. And just the way we go to school and you sit down in a class, you pass Jamba, you have your physics, chemistry, biology, and you keep going to class from year one, year two, year three, year four, year five, and they say you are an engineer. What made you an engineer? The things you had in the class. Started from Mass 101, all the differentiation, mathematics, calculus, safety engineering, all kinds of things. You keep hearing it. And then after five years, they say you are an engineer. How did it happen? The things you had formed the knowledge of engineering in you. That is how the word of God we hear forms the nature of God in us, forms the kingdom lifestyle in us. You go to class and start hearing accounting, 101 accounting, 102, cost accounting, financial accounting, business statistics, auditing, management accounting. After four years, they say you are an accountant. What happened? The things you had. That's how it is in everything we do in life. I plead with you to focus on God this weekend. The things you will hear, have asked God, you will recover from it. Because he's going to produce the kingdom lifestyle in you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now I'll be speaking this evening, tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, and then Sunday morning. And let me tell you what I'm going to do. The theme is Kingdom Lifestyle. This evening, I'll be speaking about the Kingdom of God. What is it? What is the Kingdom of God? That's what we'll be doing this night. Tomorrow is the Leadership Forum. And I'll be speaking on a topic. Discipleship. The tool for growing the Kingdom of God. Now, let me say, please, I encourage you, apart from this weekend, as a Christian, I said the church is a school. Come with notebooks and Bible. Take notes. Take notes. Prayer meetings, Bible studies, women's meeting, men's meeting, youth meeting. Dedicate a notebook to church. Scientists have told us that as human beings, we forget 80% of what we hear. So you constantly need to look at your notebooks. Remind yourself of the things you had. It's very important. Amen. So tomorrow in the morning, I'll be talking about discipleship, the tool for growing the kingdom of God. Then tomorrow evening, I'll be speaking on 
kingdom mentality. Kingdom mentality. The Bible says, if a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Your thought life produces the actions of your everyday life. How do we think as people that belong to the kingdom of God? Kingdom mentality. And then on Sunday morning worship, I'll be speaking of kingdom lifestyle, integrity in the workplace. Integrity in the workplace. Kingdom lifestyle, integrity in the workplace. I want to tell us that the kingdom lifestyle we are called to live is not in the four walls of a church that will live it. It's in the workplace. The workplace is where we meet with people. We meet more people in the workplace than in church. Some of us don't know it. Do you know you spend about 60 to 70 percent of your life at work? That's where to live the life. Every day you go to work by 8 o'clock and close by 4. That's civil servants. 8 hours. Some of us are businessmen. We go to our shop by 7 and come back by 6. 12 hours. We only come to church for two hours or three hours worship and we go. And at home, basically you spend one or two hours active time with family. The rest of the time you are sleeping and resting. So the workplace is where you meet more people in life. And that is where we ought to live the kingdom lifestyle. So Sunday sermon will be kingdom lifestyle, integrity in the workplace. Now, I say to us that church is a school. I tapped out my teaching outline. Every session I have, I have an objective. At the end of this evening, I want to be sure we achieved our objective. We project the objective in the course of the teaching, and we look at it at the end of the teaching, and we ask ourselves, did he achieve our objective? So let me read the objective for you. For this evening, I'll be speaking on the kingdom of God. What is it? And here is the objective. The objective is to help the church understand the primary purpose of Jesus' mission on earth. To help the church understand the primary purpose of Jesus' mission on earth is to establish the kingdom of God. The focus of tonight is to help us understand that the primary thing Jesus came to do on earth is to establish the kingdom of God. That's what he came to do. And that the ultimate purpose of Jesus' mission on earth is that the kingdom of this world will become the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and his God. That's the ultimate thing Jesus wants to achieve. By setting up the kingdom of God, he wants to turn the kingdom of this world back to God. Our topic this night is the kingdom of God. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 3. Um, I'll read something from Matthew chapter 3 and Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 3 verse 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. In those days, 
John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Follow me to Matthew chapter 4, just the next chapter. And verse 17 and 18. Matthew chapter 4. Verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Praise the Lord. This evening, I'm asking God for the right kind of words to communicate the burden in my heart. I've observed that we need to move on to another dimension of preaching and teaching in the church. And for me, that's what I call Christian education. It's not CRK, you write in Nekwa and Wayek. It's different. CRK is academic, to pass exam, to get an A, a B, or C, or D. But Christian education is an entire process. You know, a process is not a hit and roll, it's not an event. A process is an entire thing that is step by step with a designed and intended goal at the end. So the process of teaching people from the rudiments until they become matured in Christ. That's what we call Christian education. If you ask an average Christian, why did Jesus come to earth? He said he came to die for my sins and to save me. Yes, it's part of it. But that's not why. That's just 5% of the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came for a much more bigger picture. You saw where I read. John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. What was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. When Jesus, after his temptation, he began his public ministry, what was his message? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. The same message. Jesus came to act to set up a kingdom. And because the church has wrongly and erroneously misunderstood the mission of Jesus, that is why the church is not as relevant as she ought to be. In today's church, especially the Nigerian church, we relegate the kingdom to the background and we project salvation of soul, blessings, and miracles. Those things are not the primary thing. They, they are part of the kingdom, but they are not the primary thing. Salvation of soul, blessings of God, miracles of healing, they are part of the kingdom. But they are not the primary reason why Jesus came. 
So as long as we keep projecting the wrong thing, we will never be who we ought to be. We will never be. So if we miss, the, the Bible says, if the, if the foundation is faulty, what can the righteous do? Once we get the basics wrong, we will never get the rest of it. Those of you who are students and you do mathematics, once you fail the formula, you can never arrive at the right answer. True or false? You need to master the formula. Once you have the formula, it's easier to solve the problem. I don't know how many of you that is sitting here that is happy with the church the way we are. The church in Nigeria is a laughing stock. You know, today we need comedians to bring people to church. They will make big signboards and put comedians. So, for night vigil, inviting a comedian for night vigil so that people will not sleep. And then comedians will enter the altar and be cracking jokes to keep people awake in the church. We've lost something and we need to cry for it. We need to wait to get it back. And that God will do in Jesus' name. So I said, I need to explain to you Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. Did you remember that? Jesus will always talk about the gospel of the kingdom. There is something about this kingdom. We'll look at it today. So he didn't just come to preach any gospel. And if we get it right, every one of us here will be set on fire for Jesus. And he said, why did Jesus come to set up a kingdom? Why did he come to set up a kingdom? There's always reason for everything God does. Can I tell you, a kingdom is made up of a king and subjects. Earthly kingdoms have geographical location. In Nigeria, we used to have the Bidi kingdom. Hmm? We used to have all kinds of kingdoms. If you studied history. Empires. Songhai Empire, Fulani Empire. We had one of the Roman kingdom, the Greek kingdom, the United Kingdom. The first kingdom, a kingdom talks about a king and his subjects, their culture, their life, their well-being, their security. The first kingdom there was ever was life in the Garden of Eden. Life in the Garden of Eden was God and the subjects and the and the entire environment and everything. Life as God desired it for man was peace, prosperity, no diseases. The kingdoms of this world is full of evil and unrighteousness, wickedness, oppression, poverty, injustice, atrocities. So sometimes when you get angry, there are too many Christians in Nigeria. Why is corruption not going? Why is wickedness? We have not employed the principle of the kingdom. When we employ it, you can see 
that the kingdom of God is more powerful. Apostle Paul said to them, the kingdom of God is not in words alone, but in what? In the demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is it that in the multitude of millions of Christians in Nigeria, there are more Christians than Muslims? And I'm not making it up. You can Google BBC. Today, if you have a phone and data, every information is online. The recent BBC uh, uh, religious data on Nigeria, Christians are 51%, Muslims are 42 then the rest of them are idol worshippers, traditionalists, atheists, make 7%. But Muslims behave as if they own Nigeria. And then with all this multitude of Christians, why is it that Nigeria is not changing? Why is Nigeria a failed state? Why is it that things we ought to be going forward, we are going backward? Because there is a difference between the church and the kingdom. I'll be getting to that point. When we understand what the kingdom is, we will now know why things are not working in Nigeria the way it ought to be. So the first kingdom was taken by the devil through deceit. And devil is in charge of the world. God intended that man should live a joyful and happy life. When you study, I want to challenge you. One of the things I want to teach you this in the course of this place. Learn to study the Bible. Not just as a spiritual book. The Bible is not just a book for the church. The Bible is God's manual for life. The Bible is not only for Christians. The Bible is for idol worshippers, for atheists. The Bible is a political book. The Bible is a medical and engineering book. It's an economic book. The Bible is a cultural book. So we only study the Bible to get ministration from the Lord and to pray. No. What I want to say this evening is to give us a background why Jesus came to set up a kingdom. The Bible is a book for development. When you open the Bible, what do you meet? In the beginning, the word was formless and the Spirit of God was hovering over the light. The word was without form. What does it mean that something is without form? Something is not organized. Something is not developed. The world was without any formless. No direction. What was the first thing God made? Light. Light. Why light? You need light to see what you are doing. Everything we do on earth is powered by light. Can you see? We put up a gel now. The fan is blowing you. You put on bulb, we can see. Everything, the microphone comes alive. This is working. When God put the light, he was able to look at the world. He said, okay. I'm beginning to organize the world. The Bible is an organizational book. And God decided to do what next? That light he created, 
he divided it into two. One to rule in the day and one to rule in the night. God is beginning to organize the world. And God is a development expert. God knew that the most important thing needed on earth is light, apart from air. The Bible didn't tell us he created the air. I don't know why. But after the air we breathe in is light. Everything revolves around light. Light in daylight at night. The light in the day does not only give us light to see, it gives energy to a whole of creation. The sunlight, the tree absorbs it as, as through photosynthesis to produce food we eat. True or false? That is why today the most important thing any nation needs for economic growth is power. Power. The power industry, whether it's electro, electricity or gas. Nigeria is not a growing nation. Our economy is not growing. Almost 200 million people sharing only 7,000 megawatts. That's why everybody is burning generator. God put on the light. You know what next God did? He started creating the sea, separating them. He separated the land from the sea. Why? God wants us to live on land. But he put more resources on the sea. So on the land, you have the vegetation, you have the animals. Hmm? So the Bible is a botanical book. It's a book on botany and zoology. It's not just a spiritual book. And then, God went ahead to create the animals and gave us things to eat. God put in place everything that man needed for a good life before he created man. Our God is an organized God. He knew what man needed before he created man. The Bible is a book of strategic plans, strategic planning. See how God planned the world. God knew that man will need food. He put in place vegetation and food before he created man. And that's part of our problem. The way, you know, as I said, part of what we are doing in the church in Nigeria, we are not organized. Have you asked yourself that in less than from the history of missions in Nigeria, in less than 20 years, the missions agency came Christianity went round the whole of Nigeria. Why? When the colonial masters came, they divided Africa. All the when they were coming, they were coming with the mission agencies. You know, when the mission agencies came, that's what we call strategic plan. They didn't just come with the gospel. They came, they built schools. They came, they built hospitals. They came, they brought agriculture to us. All the food we eat here, rice, mango, gova, purple, they are not African food. The only thing we have was A, D, and G, and apple. You know, they brought mango, they brought all those things. 
It was this people that thought, organized our lives as you hear, because God is interested in the whole man. So, as you go to, that why the standard of, of education was so high. If you went to school, even if you are not born again, you had the fear of God. Because when God, they teach you the word of God, they teach you the Bible. The word of God develops, your, the, the education develops your mind. The word of God transforms your heart. If you see educated people who don't have the fear of God, they are beasts. That's why with all the education in this country, professors here and there, Nigerians are, are one of the most educated people in the whole world. But our country is on a reverse gear. Nothing works in this country. Because the hearts of these people are not regenerated. So, the first kingdom, where there is a king, God, human beings, the, the, the garden of Eden was the most beautiful. God put four rivers there. The river Euphrates and Tyre. You know, when you look at all these things, we are assets. And we are supposed to use it. There was no suffering in the Garden of Eden. Then the devil came and deceived Adam and took away that kingdom. Since then, the kingdom of the world is in the hand of the Satan. But you know, God put in place the plan to take that kingdom back right there in the Garden. So, God's intention for man is to live a good life. Poverty was not part of the, that kingdom. Sickness was not part of that kingdom. Suffering was not part of that kingdom. Causes were not part of life in Garden of Eden. So while the world is full of wickedness, evil, unrighteousness, atrocities, the kingdom of God is the rule of righteousness. The rule of peace. The rule of prosperity. The rule of justice. That's what Jesus has come to do on earth. But you know something? How do you become a member of that kingdom? You become a member of that kingdom through repentance. Because all of us are born in sin. Satan is the god of this world. But Jesus has come to take back what belongs. Because Satan is an impostor. He did not create the world. God created the world. And one thing we must learn from God is God never gives up on his plans and purposes. God's intention was for man to live a good life. Satan took it away, but God is not giving up on man. I want us to learn to be like God. The Bible actually says God created us to be like him in Garden of Eden, isn't it? He created us in his image and what? In his likeness. What does he mean in his image? God created us physically like him. That's why Jesus came like us. God has eyes. We have eyes. God has ears. He hears. We have ears. God has hands. We have hands. God has emotions. We have emotions. You can be happy. You can be angry. God can be happy. God can be angry. God is angry at sin. And God rejoices over righteousness. God made us exactly like him. All over. God plans. That's why we plan. God walked. That's why we are walking. He made us like him. 
like him. What does he mean in his likeness? Character. Character. God is kind. We see also it's this kindness. But how kind are you? Are you as kind as God is? God is generous. How generous are you like God? Hmm? God is righteous. What is righteous? Doing the right thing at all times. God never does wrong. How much like God are you and how much like God am I? You know, for us, it's easy to do the right things when we benefit. But when doing the right thing, we make us to lose. We will side with wrong. We are unlike God in our character. God loves righteousness and hates wickedness. Is there in Psalm 45. How much do you love righteousness? How much do you love doing the right thing? God forgives. How do you forgive? Sitting down here, are there not people you are still holding in your heart? You don't forgive. Even when they have asked for forgiveness, you still refuse to forgive them. God wants us to be like him. In his image, in his character. God is intelligent. That's why we are intelligent. Can you imagine? When you look at the world, that's why the Bible says, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. How can you look at all of creation and it does not come to you that an intelligent person is behind all those things? Nothing comes into this world on its own. Everything is made. This microphone I'm holding was made. This pulpit was made by ceramic people. These balls were made by companies. People laid the foundation and built it and fixed all those things. This is the cloth I'm wearing was made. They tell us so did. The shoe I'm wearing. Nothing comes into existence on its own. And yet people say there is no God. God is a hard-working God. Can I challenge you, those of you who study geography? Look at how big the world is. The God who created the world in six days is not a lazy God. That's why laziness is not part of Christianity. If you want to be like God, you've got to be hard-working. That's why the Bible says, See thou a man diligent in his ways. He will not stand before ordinary men. He will stand before kings. Our God is a hard-working God. There's no place for laziness because it's not his image. So the devil stole the kingdom. Jesus came to re-establish it. The kingdom of God is the rule of God on earth. He has no geographical limitation. And the kingdom of God is not about spiritual things alone. Follow me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. I want to show you when, when I say Jesus came to set up a kingdom, you see what that kingdom is all about. Luke chapter 4, from verse 17. That's why I said, the, the, the Nigerian church focuses on the, not on the primary. We go on the peripheral things. 
if an average Christian understands what the kingdom of God means and why Jesus came to set it up, you can never remain the same anymore. You can't. You can't. Luke chapter 4 from verse 17. Are we there? I'll read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me listen at what Jesus came to do. To preach the gospel to the poor. Preaching the gospel. Please don't spiritualize it here. It is a social thing. He has come to comfort and uplift the poor out of poverty. It's social. Number two, he has sent me to heal the broken hearted. Broken hearted people who are powerless, helpless in life. People who have given up hope in life. Jesus came to heal us emotionally, psychologically. People who, that, that's why you wonder today, what will make a man take his own life, commit suicide? People come to a point, they conclude there's nothing more to live for. Life on earth is too unfair to me. I want to take my own life. But Jesus said, no. As long as there is breath in you, there is hope. There is no hopelessness with God. I've come to heal the broken heart. It's psychological need. Which is also physical. He goes on to say again, to proclaim liberty to the captives. This is justice. Justice. Our God is a just God. The kingdom of this world is full of wickedness and oppression. There is no justice for people. And I'm going to be making reference on this when I'm giving some life stories. God is interested in justice. In God's kingdom, nobody is a captive. Nobody is a slave. And then finally he said, no, not finally, he, he went around to say, and recovery of sign to the blind. This one is the spiritual one. Spiritual. To open the eyes of people to begin to see things from God's perspective. Life is not all about working and earning an income and making money. There is more to life. Life has meaning and purpose. And that purpose is found in Christ and Christ alone. Jesus came to open our eyes. That's spiritual. He went for us to say, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim that that is political. Political. You see, politics is about governance. And it is through governance that you allocate justice resources. And that's why everywhere on the earth, everybody is crying for good governance. Good governance. God is the author of good governance. Today they tell you about transparency international, they are watching about corruption. Transparency is in, in, embedded in the word of God. 
the world is taking biblical principle and turning it as if they are the author. I told Buddy someday, I thought I'm going to write a paper. You know, you've been told I just finished my PhD program. I made up my mind, all my thesis. My professor must hear the gospel, whether I like it or not. Everything I, I did economic development, and I, I, everything I did, I give them the foundation in the Bible. How God is the author. In fact, one time I, I jokingly said, I said that the world, you know, plagiarism is an academic sin. The world is plagiarizing God's work without acknowledging God. When I did my master's in international development, I did a special work on microfinance. My professor was an American. He took it. He said he has never heard anything about Nigeria. I gave him all the stories about microfinance in Nigeria. And I took him to Leviticus 25. Where the Bible says, if your brother is, 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 is economically backward, you give him a loan for survivor. It's called survivor loan. You don't charge interest on it. That's why the Bible says, who shall arise to the hill of God? Who that does not take usury? You see, usury, you see, because it's only commercial banks that give out things on interest because the money they are giving out is not their own. But God is saying the foundation of, I challenge you today, if you are in development practice, I, I said it clearly on my thesis that everything the world is trying to do, God already did. And I set out proving it from Genesis. That's what we're talking about, the kingdom of God. They don't need to come to church to encounter God. They don't need to come to church through the academia, the civil service, the business, the politics, entertainment, sports. We drive the kingdom of God. God is the author of agri-engineering and agri-technology. Everything you thought, you think about, you find it in the Bible. Irrigation is one of the most potent discoveries in agriculture. It was Joseph that invented it in Egypt. God gave him that knowledge in a dream. In the world today, when we produce, we have silos where we store grain. And when there are shortness of grain, we release it from the, from the silos. Where, where was it first? In the Bible. Joseph. God is the author of agri-economics. The greatest thing, the Bible is a military book. It's a sophisticated book in warfare. Military strategy. There's a group I'm working with. We, we, we talk with Christians in the military. And we teach them some principles. Those of you who are on the internet, I challenge you this night. Go and Google Hushai, www.hushai or something. Is the story of CIA, Central Intelligence Agency of US. You will find in the introduction, they will give you the story of Hushai. Who was Hushai? In the Bible, Second Samuel, who was Hushai? Hushai was one of David's very trusted, you know, servants. When David was running away with his son Absalom, he told Hushai, you love me, don't go with me, I don't need you. 
go back to the city. Go and stay with my son Solomon. Absalom, find out what they are planning. When you get information, send it to me. Spy. Military intelligence. Do you remember if he did not go, David would have been killed. The counsel Ahitophel gave was sharp. Excellent. There's something we call a mole <laughs> in military terms. When somebody infiltrates a place in order to destroy it. Hushai was a mole. He said, King, you know your father is a warrior and he's wounded. And when he's wounded, that's when he's more deadly. <laughs> that's what we call conspiracy theory. <laughs> a military strategy. That was how David was spared. If they had followed Ahitophel, they would have killed David. And immediately gave that instruction, he ran away. No internet, no SMS, no email. It may have taken one week or two weeks before he got to David. He said, wrong. Don't stay here. They are coming for me. When Moses was given the promised land, he sent out 12 spies. When Joshua was going to take Jericho, he sent out 12 spies. Do you remember how Joshua destroyed our military strategy? Alright. Some of you go there and pretend that you are small. When they see you, they start chasing you. When they come out, we go in. They have laid ambush. Military intelligence. There is nothing on earth that human beings invented. God is the author of everything. Nothing. Nothing. I wish I can talk about my field of development studies and economics. You see, that one we are talking about, the kingdom of God is not what happens in the four walls of a church. God wants to restore the social system. God wants to restore the cultural system. God wants to restore the political system. God wants to restore families. And most importantly, God wants to restore our soul, our relationship with Him. That's salvation. Unfortunately, that's why the church is not making impact. Because we only single salvation out. Just give your life to Jesus. Just get born again. Make sure you have your quiet time. Make sure you live right and get to heaven. Each heaven. There is work to do here before going to heaven. Some of us, if you get to heaven, God will chase you back. If he doesn't chase you back, you ask an angel to lie you down and give you 36 before you go and stay in your mansion. There is work to do here on earth. And all we're interested is in going to heaven. Heaven will we go to? There's no doubt about it. There is work to do. So, what is the difference between the kingdom and the church? The kingdom is the totality of God's redemptive work on earth. But the church is the garden of those who are members of that kingdom. Those who have entered into that kingdom through repentance. And it is that church that is responsible for advancing the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. Right from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered right what? Violent. Only the violent do what? Take it by force. What is he saying? There is a contention. There is war. The kingdom of darkness doesn't want to give up this kingdom. Meanwhile, God has come to take it back. Only those who understand power play 
When he said violence, it's not those who shed blood. Uh-uh. We are not house full and terrorists that slaughter people. He said, the violent take it by force. Just ordinary Daniel. They took over Babylon by force. Daniel was thrown into a lion's den. Shiraim Singh were thrown into a fiery furnace. Those who are ready to die to enforce the kingdom, that the ones who will take this kingdom. Majority of Christians just want the blessings of God. God bless me. God bless me. God give me this. God give me that. We are not interested in the kingdom. And there are very few. Four ordinary young men. They were not the only ones carried out in captivity. But they knew where they were coming from. The world wanted to change them. They changed their names. Give them Babylonian names. And I said, no problem. It doesn't matter. I can be it. After all, I'm an Igbo man. My name is Eber. I'm answering Nathan. It's an Igbo name. It doesn't change my Igbo name. I can be only Igbo. They changed their language. They started speaking. They said, I don't have problems. I can speak Babylonian. After all, all English can last now. I'm still speaking English. Speaking grammar. I own you, isn't it? But when he came to food, he said, King, this is a Negro area. Because if I take this food, I lose my Jewishness. I lose who I am. I can't compromise it. I will not take this food. I was doing a solution on this many years ago. I said, if Daniel was to be a Nigerian brother, there would be testimony in church. Say, brethren, praise the Lord. I now eat breakfast and lunch in government house. My level don't change. Not every privilege is from God. There are privileges the devil sponsors into your life to compromise your faith and make you useless to the kingdom. Do you know what it means for a slave boy to be eating the same food on the king's table? You know what that means. You are invited for dinner in government house in Enugu or Hassel Rock. Oh my goodness. They will hear it on NTA. And you will take pictures with governor and the president to show you have arrived. And you post it on Facebook. And you start describing the experience. It's not everything that is good that is from God. The young man said, I can only eat vegetables. As if they would please say, try me for 10 days. 10 days he was healthier. Daniel served three kings. Nebuchadnezzar was able to say, There is no other God like the God of Daniel, Shedra, Misha, and Abadim. And if any man worships any other God other than that God, what will happen? They will turn their houses into a dung hill. The kingdom of God suffered violence. Only the violent take it by force. Only those who know what the kingdom of God stands for. Only those who are willing to lose promotions. But I want to advance the kingdom. Those who are ready to lose a contract. No matter the millions of profit. But to do this contract, I'll compromise my faith. Because anytime you compromise your faith before the world, you are preaching a gospel to them. You can't go back and tell them believe in Jesus. They have seen that your Jesus is not sufficient. If you can sacrifice your Jesus with contract, why do you want me to believe in your Jesus? 
So the church is the arm of the kingdom. It's the physical representation. But the kingdom of God is bigger than the church. Because God is at work in government houses. He's at work in teaching hospitals. He's at work in motor parks or where Enugu. He's at work in secondary and primary God is not limited to work in a building. There are things God is doing that he's not even doing with the church. He still uses unbelievers to do it. And he's advancing his kingdom. When they started NYC in Nigeria, I don't think those who started it knew what they started. If you know what God has done through Nigerian Christian Corpus Fellowship in the remotest of places, as a copper serving in Kaduna, covering Kaduna, Kano, Sokoto, Katsina, 1991, I wear my NYC, sit in a bus and preach to Muslims and they will listen to me. I preach to Muslims why they stopped to pray in a mosque. You know there are things you do when you are alone. Before I do it now, I remember I have a wife and children. <laughs> in those days I was alone. I can die. My, my mother has other sons. I'm not the only one. There are others to take care of her. Now before you remember your wife and children, you say, Lord, Lord, I need to be wise. <laughs> yes, it's good to be wise. You know, when they stop to pray, their women don't come down. They sit in the bus, they go to pray. So, I started evangelizing the girls. I gave her a try. She said, no, I'm a Muslim. I said, no, Jesus died for Muslims. She said, no, you cannot. I said, you need to. I know you are afraid of these people praying. You better accept it. Let's finish before they come. Before they finish praying, I have finished with this lady. I gave her a tract. Unfortunately, in those days, no GSM. I can't follow up. I don't know what happened to her. But I handed over to God. As I was preaching, some of them came in. I was still preaching. I was wearing my NYC tattoo. No fear. Brothers and sisters, Apostle Paul said the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking. But what is the kingdom of God is? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom. But the Nigerian church is made We have a brand of Christianity that have projected material blessings above the kingdom. I'll be talking about kingdom mentality tomorrow evening. And I'm trusting God, not myself, that all of us will leave this hall becoming kingdom addicts. We become addicted to the kingdom of God. Before you take a job, you say to your Lord, do I have your permission to take this job? If I take this job, will I be able to fulfill your purpose for me? You know, people take jobs based on pay packets. The best job is one paying so much money. Who told you that? Who told you that? Before you do a business, say, Lord, do I have your permission to do this kind of business? How can I use this business and still advance your thing? Because your mindset is the kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. The kingdom. kingdom mentality. Now, let me give you life testimonies so that we can pray. How many of you, I just read the gospel of Matthew, isn't it? 
good. So the kingdom of God is about the rule of righteousness. You know in the world they say the rule of law. Is it not the rule of law? They are just saying the same thing. Can I tell you everything called law on earth, what you have as the civil law and criminal law, they are all embedded in the word of God. That's why the Muslims are so unhappy. They want Sharia law. Everything you see people doing in the world today, human rights, human rights, you know, right to education, right to good health, right, right to good food, right access to portable water, these are all the things God has done. Human beings are trying to take, plagiarize God's law without acknowledging God. I say, God, one day, give me the privilege. If I still have strength to study, I want to write papers and I will look for trouble. And I will, I will prove it that the universities of this world, some of the researches they put forward without acknowledging God, is a crime. You need to acknowledge God. You need to acknowledge God. How many of, of us know that the first machine gun was produced in the Bible? How many of us know that? You know King Uzziah. The Bible says King Uzziah became so strong, God made him like God. He made ions that shoot stones. Ions that shoot stones. What we call economic recovery plan. That's what Jacob did for in Egypt. That's what he did in Egypt. Economic recovery plan. See what we are going to do. We are going to have Seven years of excess production, seven years of famine. So we are going to harvest everything. And when you harvest it, don't waste it. We are going to pay for it. We buy it from you, we put it in the silos. When there is drought, you come and buy from us. We sell it back to you. What did they do? They sustained the economy. There was no wastage in the economy. Do you see the wastages that I see every day? When it is mango season, it will be rotten and falling down everywhere. Cashew season, it will be rotten and falling down everywhere. When it is, when you harvest yam, yam will be so cheap and people are abusing it. When it's planting season, yam used to buy 100 and it's 500. We don't know how to plan. Economic plan. We don't know how to plan. We don't know how to create jobs in the economy. Joseph Created thousands of jobs. Do you know what it means to build silos and facilities? Job creation. It began in the back. We just read from Matthew. I want to show you the impact of the kingdom of God in the life of Matthew. Who was Matthew? A tax collector. He was an oppressor and a corrupt public servant. You know that tax collectors in Israel, they always collect more than what they are asked. They are working for Roman government. They are, they are as corrupt as Nigerian police, Nigerian custom, state internal board of revenue, federal internal, they, they are just as corrupt as they are. You remember the, the, the message John the Baptist preached to them? He said, tax collectors, do not collect more than what you are approved to collect. You remember when Zacchaeus repented? Nobody taught him restitution. 
Is anybody I've defrauded, I'll return for tax. Tax collectors were oppressors. And they were traitors. They were working for Roman government and oppressing their fellow Jews. And Jesus came to him and said, follow me. And he followed Jesus. Now, I want you to see what has happened. It's not only the salvation of his soul. Matthew was transformed morally in his heart. That's the first thing salvation does. It changes us in our heart. If a man is in Christ Jesus, behold, all things are what? Passed away. Everything has become what? New. So he was transformed. What next happened to Matthew? Matthew got educated about the kingdom. And you know what Matthew did? He gave the kingdom of God the gospel according to Saint Matthew. Now, what happened here? Do you, do you know that the gospel of Jesus is the most accurate record of Jesus' death and history? Matthew brought in his skill as an accountant, a record keeper. Accountants keep financial records. As a tax collector, he was an accountant. Matthew gave us because he wanted to tell the Jews that here is a king. Promise you, he began from creation. Jesus Christ, the son of God, the son of Adam, the son of Abraham, up till the dynasty when you had kings in Israel. He showed it from David until Zedekiah when they went into exile to Babylon. And then he began again after they came back from exile. He began, he began from Zechariah. When you read Zechariah, the prophecies God said to Zechariah because he's from the lineage of David. You know, Zechariah became the governor. Sorry, Zerubbabel. From Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel became the governor and Joshua was the high priest and Zechariah was the prophet. He showed it up to when Jesus was born to show the people that's the lineage. You know, to be an accountant is an enlightened, educated person. Nobody you see, what happened to Matthew was not only salvation of his heart. He gave the church the gospel according to St. Matthew. And he's one who told us the story of the wise men who came from the east. I said, who is it that is, we have come, that we, we saw his tragedy and we've come to worship him who is born king of the Jews. Is that in your Bible? If Jesus is a king, then he came to find a kingdom. There is no king without a kingdom. Jesus is first and foremost a king before he became a savior. The most important thing about him is being a king. If he's a king, then there is a kingdom. You can't be a king when there is no kingdom. Matthew gave the church. Can you see someone who is now advancing the kingdom? Me and you are sitting here over 2,000 years and we are reading the gospel according to St. Matthew. A man who was saved, he had salvation of his soul, but he added value to the kingdom. He gave us the gospel. Let me give us another man, contemporary. I will leave the Bible stories. How many of us know of a man called Isaac Newton? 
as if Newton was the captain of the slave ship that comes to Calabar to pick slaves to Great Britain. He was everything a successful man can be. Until when God confronted him with the evil nature of slavery. I'll still talk on that. Slavery is the single most devilish, satanic social sin on earth. God did not create any man to enslave a fellow man. God did not give any man the right to call your fellow man a slave. As if Newton encountered God and his heart was changed. But is that all that happened? No. I'll tell you how, what he contributed in the abolition of slave trade. But let me tell you what he gave to the church. Isaac Newton gave the church the most powerful evangelical hymn that the church has ever known. And I'm sure we will sing that hymn in heaven. Amazing grace How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my it was grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Praise God, praise God, praise God, amen. Praise God, praise God, amen. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God, Amen. Hallelujah, 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 Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, Hallelujah, Amen. I can't just stop singing this song. When we've been dead a thousand years, bright shining as the light, we have blessed days to sing God's praise. Than when we first begun. A captain of the ship says, Amazing God has saved a wretch like me. Remember, one of the things Jesus came to do is to give sight to the blind. To show us what life a man as successful as that man qualified himself as a wretch because he has seen better. What about Winston Churchill? Winston Churchill was born in royalty. He was trained in university, prepared to become the prime minister of Great Britain. God opened his eyes to see the wickedness, the injustice and the atrocity of slavery. And by the way, the economy of Great Britain was built on slavery. Just the way today you build ship, ocean liners as tankers that carry crude oil and gas, the way you build ocean liners that carry containers, they build slave ships in their hundreds to come to Africa and carry slaves. In Great Britain, there was no industrial revolution. No machines. No tractors. No computers. No equipment. The slaves were the equipment. This man was ready to kill the economy of his country in order to give justice. He said, I've come to save the liberty. That's what Jesus said. To save the captives free. From the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God suffered violence. And the violence taken by force. Winston Churchill sacrificed being prime minister, equivalent of Nigeria's president, to fight slavery. He paid dearly for it. He lost the ambition to be a, a prime minister. And it was on his deathbed, sick, about to die. Before finally. The house of lords and common finally passed the bill. Abolition of slave trade. The kingdom of God sets captives free. One man. One man. Kingdom mentality. Do you know the privileges of being a prime minister? He was ready to sacrifice it. But he wants to set captives that's the kingdom of God. Look around Nigeria. Look at all the atrocities and wickedness. I posted something on Facebook. We are discussing 
Some people like it. Some people say, I don't give a damn. I use my Facebook for advancing the kingdom. The cowardice we see in Christians in government who want to protect their political career, you know that the policies of government is ungodly. You know the actions of government is ungodly. You won't challenge it because you want to keep your appointment. And you come to church. You pay tithe and give up. The kingdom of God is not about tithe and offering. about justice, righteousness. I moved from Winston Churchill to Mary Slessor, the kingdom of God. Mary Slessor, a Presbyterian Christian, who came as a government official in United and a missionary. When he came here, he stationed in Calabar. Because of the ministry of that woman, we no longer care twins in Nigeria. You know, Mary Slessor is my, my, my hero. If not for Mary Slessor, I would not be born. When my mother was born, she was a twin. When they were born, they have already come and collected her and her sister going to the evil bush. It is in this St. Mary's Anglican Church in Go. My mother was raised for 16 years. The missionary snatched her and raised her. The kingdom of God is cultural. It transforms culture. God is the one who gives twins. And culture says twins are evil and abomination. Do you know that thing caused that woman's life? Do you know she became so sick? They wanted to take her back to Scotland. He says it's not going anywhere. He's going to stay here and finish. And that's why Christianity, in the, in the history of missions in Nigeria, Debos are the first tribe that Christianity conquered 100%. Almost every ungodly culture in, in, in Ebola was, was, was transformed. Osu, Osu system, the killing of twins, and all kinds of evil things. Because the kingdom of God is about righteousness, justice. The Bible says children are a heritage from God. A woman will conceive and carry Pregnancy for nine months, give birth to twins, and tradition says twins are abominations. They must be killed. God says, not in my kingdom. You don't kill twins in my kingdom. I'm going to raise someone that will alter this. Why? Because Jesus came to take back this kingdom. The kingdom of God is social, it's cultural, it's political, economic. The kingdom of God transforms cultures. Because God, every tribe have their culture. We are unique before God. But there are cultures that are devilish. And God is stepping in to abolish those cultures. You know when the missionaries came to Nigeria? The people we call us in these days. They were the first to be educated. How many of us know this story? They became the most educated and the most rich. Because those who treat them as Osu, their children can't go to school. Do you see what the kingdom of God does? He takes us from the miry clay. He puts our feet on the rock to stay. Onaputa, <speaking in Hebrew> 
Let's sing it one more time. On a puta wona la pite. Ome woka guzonelo ke kume. I'll read the last scripture and we pray. Revelations chapter 11. Revelations chapter 11. God wants justice for the oppressed. He came to say the captive is free. And the year, the acceptable year of the Lord. God is not happy with all the wickedness and atrocities going on in this nation. There is something you can do. There is something I can do. If we belong to the kingdom. Revelation 11, I'll read from verse 15. Are we there? Then the seventh angel sounded. And there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the twenty-seventh and four elders who sat before God on the throne fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Because... You have taken your great power and reigned. The nations were angry and your wrath has come. And the time of the dead and they should be judged. That you shall reward your servants, the prophets and the saints. And those who fear your name, small and great. And should destroy those who destroy the earth. This is the last scripture. The seventh trumpet. There has been trumpets sounding and God is giving Apostle John the future things that will happen. The last one is this. That there will be a great celebration in heaven. Why? Because the kingdom of this world has been conquered. It has now become the kingdom of our God and his son Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus taught us when we say let us pray. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. The kingdom of God came with Jesus. The kingdom of God is still in progress. The kingdom of God will be completed at Jesus' second coming. When he will take the church away and destroy everything ungodly and hate. Jesus came to take back what belonged to him. That's why he came. Your salvation and my salvation 
is just a tiny aspect of that kingdom. So we enter into the kingdom through salvation. I want to ask you this night. Are you a member of this kingdom? The only way to become a member of this kingdom is by repentance. Repentance means a U-turn, a change of heart, a change of loyalty, a change of values, a change of priorities, a change of ambition in life, a change of mission, a change of purpose. Jesus is giving the same invitation this night. If you are not yet entered in this kingdom as we pray, Please, don't push this invitation forward. Tomorrow is not in your hand. By God's grace, I speaking to you here, I've accepted that invitation to enter. While God is at work changing the society, He's also at work bringing people into the kingdom. It's only those who are in the kingdom that are heads of salvation. It's only those who are in the kingdom that have hope of eternal life. It is only those that are in the kingdom that have the seal of the Holy Spirit. And if you don't have any of those things, when we pray, please don't depart. And if you have accepted invitation into this kingdom, you were not invited to come and eat rice and chicken. You were not invited just to come and enjoy the blessings of God. You were invited to contribute to your quota in advancing this kingdom of God. There is a role for you. Matthew did his work. Isaac Newton did his own stuff slave. Mary let us stop the claim of twins. What are you going to stop? The ordinary corruption in your office. The ordinary wickedness in your neighborhood. Ordinary wicked in Umun, Naumuada, age grade, where you belong to. What have you contributed in this kingdom? Are you happy about the level of wickedness and atrocities going on in this nation? There is something you can contribute. I challenge you this night. You should not sleep until you make up your mind. Lord, here am I. I don't have an assignment. Assign me something to do. Let us stand up together to pray. Only two prayer points, and we'll pray it once. If you are not sure that you have entered into this kingdom, you know, if you're a Nigerian, you have the Nigerian green passport, or you have the national ID card, you know. Are you a member of God's kingdom? It's possible to be a member of Chapel of Resurrection, but you are not a member of God's kingdom. It will be a tragedy. But can I tell you, you read in the Bible that Noah built an ark. Noah hired people to build that ark. Some of them did not enter into it. People got jobs and we are paid for carrying wood and locking it. They built an ark for a family. But they were not saved. They didn't enter the ark. It's possible to be a committed Anglican, a committed whatever church you're going, very faithful to meetings, but you are not a member of the kingdom of God. I want to plead with you. If you are not sure, I want to pray with you. Then, you are sure you are a member of this kingdom, but your life is not given to drive this kingdom. 
you are not committed to this kingdom. You are not ready to pay the price of driving this kingdom. There's nothing to be ashamed about God. It's possible you are not sure you are a member of this kingdom of God. It's only through repentance. You know you were born into a church family, you go to church, they are not sure you are saved. You are not sure if you die now, you're going to heaven. And you are not sure that you, you, you know what it means to live for this kingdom. I know there are people here, they are not a part of this kingdom. I know there are people here, they don't know what this kingdom is all about. But are still going to pray. For I know the word of God has come forth. It will not come back void. Jesus came to establish a kingdom. To take back the kingdom that belonged to God. That is why one of the temptations he went through. Jesus wanted, Satan knew what Jesus came for. And he wanted to, to, to compromise Jesus. He says, look at the kingdom of this world and its glory. Bow down and worship me. And I'll give it to you free of charge. Jesus says, shut up your mouth. How can you give me something that belongs to me? So come on, get out. The kingdom is my own. You want to offer me the kingdom from the back. I will get it through the cross. And he went through the cross. And we saw in the seventh seal. That a time will come. And the kingdom of this world. Will be the kingdom of our God. And his son Jesus. Father, thank you for your word that has gone forth this evening. I pray that your word has come forth this evening. We cling to our hearts and our minds. May this word give us no rest until we make the right decisions on this message. In the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, those who are here who are not part of this kingdom, maybe they don't know it, or maybe they are shy to come out, I ask that you be gracious and merciful to them. Keep them alive to make that decision. Keep them alive to receive that invitation given by Jesus. To enter into that kingdom through repentance. Lord, I pray for myself and my brothers and sisters. That you will help us by your spirit. Challenge us with the evil that is around us. There are things we can do for you in our neighborhoods. There are things we can do for you in in our places of work and business. There are things we can do for you in our schools. There are things we can do for you in our villages and communities where we come from. Like the men of old we talked about. Like Matthew who came into the kingdom and gave us the gospel according to St. Matthew. Lord, like Isaac Newton who came into the kingdom and gave the church the hymn Amazing Grace. Like Mary Slessor who came into the kingdom and abolished the killing of twins. Oh God, like Winston Churchill who came into the kingdom and abolished slave trade globally. Lord, cause every one of us here to be restless until we do something for the kingdom in our little corners. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, I ask that your spirit will rest upon every one of us until we bring forth the fruit of kingdom of God, the fruit of righteousness, justice, peace in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Lord, I have done my part. You gave me a message. You gave me utterance. I have finished mine. It's your turn to take over. 
You are the only one who have access to the hearts and minds of men. You are the only one who knows what men think. You are the only one who knows the decisions men make in their heart. But one thing I pray, Lord, that nobody who has come to this meeting will escape the power of your kingdom. In Jesus' powerful name, we have prayed. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise. Because indeed, Lord, you have met us this evening. You have touched our hearts. And you have shown us, yet again, what the kingdom lifestyle is all about. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, because we have learned that indeed, there are many ways we can infect and affect our generation. There are many things we can do with which we can draw men even into the kingdom. Thank you, Lord, for showing us that indeed men only pleasurize you. But that these things that they do in order to bring goodness, good health, Lord, that they all have come from you. Father, we thank you for the vessel that you have used. Thank you for the grace upon his life. Renew strength, renew unction. Reanoint him afresh. In the name of Jesus. And Lord, as we go home tonight, we ask that your grace will abide with us. That that which we have received, Lord, it shall be impactful. Our generation, our neighbor shall indeed know that we have been with you. Thank you, Lord, for answers to our prayers. In Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Shall we share the grace in fellowship? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. The Lord be with you.